Well, I hope that you are excited at the opportunity to once again encounter the Word of God tonight. So if you have your copy of God's Word, go ahead and make your way back to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter number 2. You can mark your spot there, and then you can go find your second spot for tonight, which is going to be in Genesis chapter 39. But we're going to start in Exodus 2 here in the next few moments as we pick up with the second installment of our series we began last week called Scarred, which is based off of the premise that we all have scars that we carry, and they're not just physical, right? They're emotional, they're mental, they're those internal scars that were formed from either self-inflicted wounds, like we talked about last week, or they formed from wounds that others inflicted upon us. It could have come from tragedy. It could have came out of some trauma that you faced in your life. But the bottom line is, no matter how good we want to try and cover them up, we're all scarred. We're all jacked up in some way, form, or fashion from something that we have encountered throughout the course of this life. And since those scars are ugly, since they come with shame, since they come with guilt sometimes, since they come with embarrassment, we do our best to keep them covered and hidden, and we never allow any of their story to be told. But the thing is, regardless of how you got the scars that you do in your life, every single one of them have their own story to tell. And so why aren't we telling their story? Is it because we're so ashamed of how we got them? Is it because we're so embarrassed of the circumstances that we went through that placed them in our lives? And what if God wanted us to uncover those scars that we have and allow their stories to be told? That's what we've been getting at starting last week and moving into this week. So as we begin this series, I told you guys that I wanted to help you see some of the stories that your scars tell. And we've been using the lives of Moses and Joseph as examples to pull from to see the scars that they had in their life and the stories that those scars told. So as we got started last week, right, you remember Moses, he got himself into a bad situation. He was a passionate guy about his own people, and, and he walks out one day and he sees an Egyptian beating up on a Hebrew. And so Moses, being a Hebrew himself, looks around, he decides he's going to do something about this injustice, and so he rises up, he beats up on the Egyptian so fiercely that he ends up killing him. And in that moment, whether Moses realized it or not, he had just created a wound in his life that was going to scar him for the better portion of it. And so when we last left Moses, that was the situation that he was in. He was wounded, he was in pain, he was in hurting. But then we looked at the life of Joseph as well. Joseph had his own set of scars. Remember, he was the favorite child of his family. His dad had given him a coat of many colors, and his brothers hated him because he was the favorite and then on top of that, he had a dream. Remember, we talked about the dream that Joseph had, and he told his brothers, he said, man, I had this dream that we were out in the field, and we were binding our sheaves. And there were all these other sheaves, and there were 11 other sheaves on the ground because Joseph had 11 brothers. And all of your sheaves bowed down to mine that was standing up. And so they hated it even more because of his dream. They thought their brother was selfish. He was conceited. He was a jerk. He's the, he's the family pretty boy. He's daddy's favorite, and so they couldn't stand Joseph because of that. And so when they got the opportunity, they were going to kill him. But Reuben decided to come up with a different plan. He said, hey, let's not kill him. We don't want his blood on our hands, but when he comes back, we'll just push him off in this pit, and we'll leave him. Whatever happens, happens. So Joseph shows up one day out in the field. His brothers grab him. They throw him off into a pit. They're going to abandon him, but then they get this even better idea. Hey, here comes some slave traders. Let's get some money out of the guy. So they pull him up out of the pit, and they sell him to the Ishmaelites for 15 shekels of silver, and so Joseph is wounded. And you would be too if your family treated you like that. 
And the sad thing is, some of you do have family that has treated you like that, and that's why you've got some of the scars that you have in your life. When we left Moses, he's in pain and he's hurting. When we left Joseph, he was in pain and he's hurting. So at the beginning of this, we saw that your scars tell a story of pain. But they don't just tell a story of pain. They also tell a story of process. So tonight I want us to learn and lean in and draw from the subject of the process and being healed. When your body experiences a trauma that results in an open wound, like say, for example, you cut your finger wide open. My, my wife, God love her, she is the world's worst at cutting her fingers from time to time. Like, I, I just get drawn up in knots every time she goes in the kitchen and I hear the knife, like, chopping on the cutting board because I'm just waiting for her to go, because I'm like, golly, again? But when you cut your finger and you have an open wound on your body, the process of healing begins immediately. Immediately, and it's important that you understand that tonight. When that happens, the blood vessels contract and platelets release fibrin proteins that begin to tangle themselves together so that your blood begins to clot. And then over time, those vessels will expand again and allow white blood cells access to the wound site so they can fight off any bacteria or infection that might be coming through the wound. And then over time, those cells will begin to produce collagen and it will scab over. And then as that scab is there, it allows your skin, your epidermis, to begin to reform and pull itself back together, ultimately healing your body. So when you have an open wound, the process of healing begins immediately. It may take time for full healing to take place, but the process is instantaneous. When we left Moses and Joseph, they had been wounded and they were in pain, but the process and healing was already about to kick in for them. And it's encouraging to know that the moment that you are hurt, the moment that you are wounded, the Lord, your healer, instantly begins to mend your wounds. It's encouraging to know that. So just know that if you've been hurt, if you've been wounded and you're sitting here tonight, God is already in the process of healing that wound in your life. It may take time for you to see it, but the process is already in motion. And that process involves some different things that I want us to see from the lives of Moses and Joseph tonight. So look at Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 15. We're only going to read part of the verse right here. So Moses has killed the Egyptian, and remember the guys found out about it. He walks up the next day, he finds two Hebrews fighting each other. He's like, man, what are you guys doing fighting each other? And the guy turns around and he says, oh, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to kill me like you did the other guy? And Moses got upset, and, and he realized, oh, shoot. Maybe my secret's out. So we pick up in verse 15. It says, when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. So word has gotten out. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. Now flip over to Genesis chapter 39 real quick. We're going to read the first half of verse 1 there. Back over into Joseph's life. Chapter 39, verse 1 says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt. And we'll stop right there. Sometimes, to get the healing process going, God has to move us out of the environment that hurt us. So the process of healing, number one, is going to oftentimes contain a change of setting in your life. So in order for you to be healed, sometimes God has to take us and he has to move us out of the environment that hurt us 
so that the process of healing can start to take place in our life. But the way that that movement happens doesn't always look the same in each and every one of our lives. Sometimes it can vary a little bit different. I don't want you to notice a couple of key things as we go through. There's some really interesting parallels between Moses and Joseph's story. The first one is the fact that Moses ran to Midian. But Joseph was brought to Egypt. You know, I found that it's a lot easier to run from pain that you've caused yourself. It's a lot easier to run from the pain that you've caused yourself. But it's a lot harder when others hurt us to run from that kind of pain. And typically we don't. And I'll explain this a little bit further as we get into it. But it's a lot easier to run from the pain that you've caused yourself. But when others hurt us, we don't typically run from that kind of pain. We have to be pulled from it. Moses ran to Midian. Joseph was brought or pulled or drug to Egypt. Moses was more than willing to run from his decision. And it's the same in our lives, right? If you have a serious screw-up, if you have a real boo-boo, a real uh uh-oh kind of mistake in your life, it's real easy to run from that thing. It's real easy to run from that decision that you made, to run from that fear that comes with it, to run from that guilt, to run from that failure, to try and put as much distance between you and that decision that you made as you possibly can. But Joseph never wanted to leave his family. Joseph didn't choose to have that pain brought into his life. And here's the thing. You know, he probably still held hope that they could work things out. Even though they had pushed him into the pit, even though they had said these mean and awful things about him, even though they had caused the wound in his life and he hadn't done it to himself, Joseph didn't want to go to Egypt. Joseph didn't want to be sold to slave traders. He would have much rather climbed up out of the pit and said, hey, guys, let's sit down and talk out some of this stuff. And that's why I say it's different. It's different when you run from certain sets of pain. It's easy to run from the pain that you yourself have caused. But it's a lot harder to run away from the pain that others have caused you because deep down inside, you don't really want to believe that that person had intentions of hurting you. Deep down inside, you don't really want to believe that that person had intentions of abandoning you. Deep down inside, you don't want to believe that that person really doesn't hold any value over your lives, that they would treat you in such a way. And so what do you do? You stick around. Why do you think people stay in relationships that are abusive? Y'all don't want to hear it tonight. Why don't people run from that kind of pain? But they'll get in a good relationship, somebody that really cares for them, somebody that really loves them, and they'll make a mistake in that relationship, and they'll try and break it off and end it, never talk to them again. But they'll go back to that same boo thing that slaps them in the face, that calls them trash, that never takes them out. That's why I'm saying it's easy to run away from the pain you caused yourself, but it's a lot harder to run from the pain other people have caused you because you don't want to believe that's true. Joseph didn't want to accept that. He wanted to accept the fact that his family had abandoned him, that they didn't hold any value over his life, that they were just going to leave him for dead. He didn't want to accept that or believe it. That's why Moses ran and Joseph was drug. Whether you realize it or not, God's grace in healing you is at work even in this process. Sometimes he'll let you run. He'll let you run away from that bad decision so you can run into his grace further down the road. But sometimes even when you don't want to run, out of his grace, he'll grab you and he'll pull you. 
Man, I've been wanting to give this one all day long. Sometimes you don't want to run. But out of God's grace, because he knows what's best for your life, if he has to, he'll grab you and he'll pull you out of it. And you may not want to go with the time. It may seem like you're being drugged into slavery. But in reality, God's actually pulling you towards freedom. And the process of healing will often contain a change of setting in your life. Sometimes God has to take you out of that environment that you've been hurt in so that he can show you healing in a new place. But there's other things that are involved with the healing process. And so let's go back to the story here. It's not that just God will change your setting in order to bring about healing in your life. It's that oftentimes the process will contain a couple of different things as well. And that's sitting and serving. So look back at Exodus chapter 2. The last part of verse 15 where we stopped a second ago. Moses has fled to Midian. And the very last part of the verse says this. And he sat down by a well. Back over to Genesis chapter 39. We pick back up on the story in Joseph's life. It says that he had been brought down to Egypt, and it says, And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. Man, key phrase. And he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had the Lord blessed the Egyptians house for Joseph's sake and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field so he left all that he had in Joseph's charge and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate when Moses arrived in Midian he sat down by a well and this is what I'm saying for some of you the process of your healing is going to involve some sitting when Moses got to Midian, he sat down by a well. And that may seem like an inconsequential detail in the moment, but it's really important because what I want you to understand and what I want you to see is that as Moses is sitting down by that well, he's thinking. So he's just fled from this mess that he's made in his own life in Egypt, and he's made it to Midian, and he's tired, and he sits down by the well. And as he's sitting down, he begins to think. And he begins to reflect on all that has just taken place. So as he sits there, he's thinking. He's thinking about the bad decision that he's made. He's thinking about how the best of intentions all of a sudden turned into the worst of actions. Have you ever been there before? You ever had the best of intentions and all of a sudden it turned into the worst of actions and you turned around and you thought, how did I get here? That's the kind of moment Moses is having right now. As he's sitting down at the well and he's thinking and he's pondering and he's reflecting on all the things that have happened, he thought, man, I just walked out and saw this injustice being done and decided to take action, but that really escalated in a hurry, you know? Like, I didn't mean to kill the guy. And he's reflecting and he's thinking about the things that have happened. And he's, he's thinking, what's going to happen next? Where am I going to go from here? He's pondering the fact that as of this moment, his life has been completely altered in a very, very broad and impactful way. And so he's sitting there and he's thinking, and for some of you, 
your healing is going to involve some sitting because when you cause pain or when you wound yourself because of a decision, because of a choice, or because of an action that you made or that you took, part of your healing process involves sitting and having to think through and reflect on what you did. But you know what it does? It gives you the opportunity to see where you went wrong. And not just that, but to make changes so that you can react differently the next time. I, I think I see a perfect example of this in a very, very practical way in my life. You know, it's National Siblings Day and all that good stuff. Man, and you, you try not to show your sibling too much love, right? Because it's like that mutual respect kind of thing where you do love each other, but you don't really want to say it explicitly to each other's face because there's kind of that sibling rivalry there. But you know, like there's the respect, there's the love between each other, you know. But I can remember like these kind of moments in my life because of my sister, how many times I had to go and sit in my room and think about what you just did to your sister. Trey, why don't you go sit in your room for a little bit and think about what you did to your sister? And you never want to do that, right? Because you don't care. I know what I did. I'd do it again. So you go stomping off through your room and you slam the door and you sit down on your bed and you start playing your Sega Genesis like it was for me when I was that age. And y'all probably don't even know what that thing is anymore. And then your mom or your dad comes down the hall and they're like, no video games either. You're just like, but invariably in the quietness and in the stillness of your room, whether you want to or not, you do actually begin to reflect on what you did. And in that process, you begin to rethink, given the opportunity next time, either A, I'm going to be a little bit more secretive about it, but seriously, maybe there's a, a change that needs to be made. Maybe next time, given the same opportunity, I need to react a little bit differently. And so for some of you, your, your healing is, is going to involve some sitting, and, and you, some of you are suppressing healing in your life because you decided to never think about what you did again. You made a decision, you made a choice, you took an action, and you decided, you know what, I'm just not going to think about that again. I'm going to bury that as deep down as I can, and I'm going to do my best to forget it. But the problem is you can't. You keep trying to forget the unforgettable. And it keeps calling out to you from the place that you've tried to bury it so deep from. And nobody else can hear it, nobody else can see it, but you know what's taking place inside of you. And because you suppress this, this healing in the form of thinking about what you did because you're trying to put it away, you, you're, you're rejecting the grace of God in your life and restoration that he's trying to bring because you just refuse to think about what happened. Even though you're not going to think about it, it's not going to make it disappear and it's not going to make it go away. What you need to see is that this is an opportunity that God's bringing into your life to help you rethink some things so that you don't make the same mistake and experience the same hurt and the same pain next time. So the next time that opportunity comes to get in the bed with that person, you make a different choice. So the next time the opportunity comes to go to that party and take that drink or take that hit that you know you shouldn't, you make a different choice. But for Joseph, it was a little different. When Joseph got to Egypt, he immediately started doing what slaves do, and that's serving. And so for some of you, your process of healing is going to involve serving. 
For some of you, it's going to involve both. You're going to have to sit a little bit, and then you're going to have to serve because it depends on how you've been wounded. Moses is sitting because he's got wounds, he's got pain in his life of his own making. But that wasn't the case for Joseph. Joseph didn't ask his brothers to do the things that they did to him. So instead, Joseph is faced with a different form in the process of healing. He's not sitting, he's busy serving, which is what slaves do. So he gets to Egypt and Potiphar buys him and puts him to work in his house. And the part of God's healing process in his life was to use him in this aspect of serving. It says that the Lord was with him. And he gave him success in all that he did. Now that hadn't been a part of Joseph's story up until this point. And he probably never thought that once he got drugged to the place that he never wanted to go to, that he would experience God's presence and his success in his life. But that's just how God works sometimes. Sometimes he will pull you out of the place that you don't want to leave into a place that you never wanted to go, and you'll experience things that you never thought you would experience. Success, his presence, his favor. So Joseph gets busy serving, and if you've been hurt by others, Here's the key part. If you've been hurt by other people, if you've got wounds that have come from other people in your life, serving is a part of your healing process. And it may sound strange, and it may sound like the last thing that you want to do, but, you, but when you've been hurt by others, God will bring the opportunity into your life to help others because that ultimately begins healing you. When your focus is on helping it begins to move you past hurting. Joseph got busy serving. And you know what happened in the process? Little by little, he began to forget about the way he was treated by his family. As he began faithfully serving, God began giving success. And so your process of healing, it will often contain some sitting, but it will also contain some serving as well. But there's a couple more aspects of this as we wrap it up tonight. Your healing process will contain steps forward and setbacks. Go back to Exodus chapter 2. We pick back up on the narrative of Moses. So he's sitting by the well. Verse 16 says, Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs, to water their father's flock. And so it's not, you know, a present day thing that women travel in packs. This has been going on really for centuries. That you people, you just can't go anywhere by yourself. There has to be hordes or groups of you. And so there's seven women that go and draw water from the well that Moses is sitting beside. Verse 17 says, The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came home to their father, Ruel, he said, How is it that you have come home so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his his daughters, Then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Go back over to Genesis chapter 39 for a second. Picking back up on Joseph's story. He's serving in Potiphar's house. We pick back up in verse 7, or actually the last part of verse 6. It says that now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Joseph was a good-looking dude. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. 
He is not greater in this house than I am, not as he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was in the house, she called him by his garment saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and they fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. And she laid up his garment by her until his master came home, and she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. And as soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, This is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. And the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge. Because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Your healing process, it will include steps forward. As Moses is sitting by the well, he's had time, remember, to rethink the decisions that he had made that had gotten him to that place. And so I have to imagine over and over and over again, he's replayed in his mind how he reacted that day when he walked outside and he saw this Egyptian beating this Hebrew. And I'm sure he replayed the scenario over and over and over and over again. And thus is how it is when you have deep wounds or deep pains in your life. You replay the scenario over and over and over and over again in your mind to think about how could I have done things differently? How did I end up in this place that I'm in? What should I have done better? What could I have done better? What will I do better? So Moses has had time to think things over and to see his mistakes and to learn from them and to react differently next time. And as he's sitting there, this group of women show up to get water for their sheep flocks. And while they're there, this group of shepherds walks up and begins to bully these women and won't allow them to get water for their flocks. And what do we have here other than a familiar scenario taking shape in front of Moses all over again? He's in Midian now. But in Egypt, he walks out and he sees an injustice being done to a fellow brother. Now he's sitting by a well in Midian and he sees an injustice being done to these women. Feels like dangerous ground because this is where Moses messed up last time. But if you'll notice the difference in the narratives, if you go back up in chapter 15 when Moses decided to do something about the injustice of his brother, it says that he rose up and he struck down. But he's been thinking about that. And he sees another injustice taking place, and this time he got up, but he didn't strike down. It says that he saved. This time, 
Moses reacted differently. And this healing process that God has begun in his life has now seen Moses take some positive steps forward in the right direction. And after this happens, he's invited to the family's house. And can you imagine, you know, how good that made him feel at that point? You know, sometimes after you've had time to think it through, God will bring back a familiar scenario so you can choose to react differently this time. And just think about the confidence booster that this was for Moses as he realizes maybe at this point that God is beginning to restore him and to heal him and that he's not going to hold against him the bad decisions and the choices that he had made previously. It's quite the beautiful thing when you begin to realize the grace of God in your life. It's quite the beautiful thing when you begin to realize that God is not going to deal with you the way in which you deserve to be dealt with, but he's going to give opportunity for you to be healed and restored and put back into his service. But you know, at the same time, as you're healing, it is possible that you will encounter setbacks as well. There will be times when that wound is just starting to scab over and you rake it up against something and it rips that scab off all over again and opens that wound back up and the blood begins to pour all over again. There are times when you will experience setbacks. It's kind of like if you ever bite the inside of your jaw, right? You do it once and it hurt like crazy and it swells up and then it begins to heal and then about the time it starts getting better again, what happens? You chomp down on it again. Sometimes you experience setbacks in the healing process. Sometimes there will be times when healing is so close to being complete and then something happens that reopens that wound that you had in your life and it seems like you've got to start all over again. Joseph is experiencing a setback right here. While Moses is helping women, Joseph is being accused by one. Moses is invited to dinner. Joseph sent to prison. Once again, it's not his fault. He was doing the right thing. Potiphar's wife is grabbing him by his jacket, literally pulling him into bed. Sleep with me, Joseph. And Joseph's like, no, get away from me, you nasty woman. He begins to shed his clothes to get away. And ain't it funny? It was his coat that got him in trouble with his brothers the first time. And now here we go again. The dadgum coat's back in the scene once more. Man, you think that's just coincidental stuff in Scripture? Just grab his jacket. Look, that Hebrew guy, he came in here and he tried to sleep with me. I told you not to bring that fool in this house. Came in here and tried to rape me. Accused him. His master, who was so trusting of him now, at the word of one witness, grabs Joseph and has him thrown into prison which coincidentally was built in a pit. Are you serious? So the place that his brothers had thrown him into is now the place that he finds himself again once again. And that's what I mean by sometimes that wound is going to be reopened. You know what I have to imagine went through Joseph's mind? 
as he's being falsely accused of something that he didn't do and thrown into a pit, I have to imagine that that wound his brothers had caused in his life that was beginning to be healed over was opened up all over again as he began to relive that moment where his brothers did something to him falsely that he didn't deserve and threw him into a pit to abandon him. And he's in a setback. But you know, God had a purpose for him in the pit. And I want you to know that God has a purpose for you even when you find yourself in the pits, so to speak. Because while he's there, and you'd have to read some of the story for yourself, but through chapter 41 and through chapter 42, as Joseph is in prison, God had given Joseph a particular gift to be able to interpret dreams. And while he's there, Pharaoh had sent his baker and his cupbearer to the same prison because he was displeased with them, and that's just how things worked back then. If you were the king of all the land and you got upset with somebody, you could just throw them in prison. So here's the cup baker, and the cup bearer. <laughs> he wasn't baking cups. Here's the cup bearer and the baker in prison with Joseph. And they begin to have these dreams. And they're sitting there talking about them in the jail cells, and they're like, man, I had this crazy dream last night. Joseph's eavesdropping a little bit, and he makes a statement. He said, don't, don't interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dream. So they begin to explain the dream to Joseph, and he's listening, and he tells them, okay, this is what the dream means. And the other guy tells him his dream, and Joseph says, okay, well, this is what the dream means. And for one, it meant that Pharaoh was going to set him free and restore him back into his service, but for the other one, it meant that Pharaoh was going to kill him. So, you know, it kind of stinks if you're the one on the bad end of the dream there. And so just like Joseph said, it became true. And sooner or later, the cupbearer was restored back to Pharaoh's service. And Joseph told him after he interpreted his dream, he says, hey, when this happens, when, when you get back into the service of the Pharaoh, tell him that I'm in here. Because he knew then he could be set free. And the cupbearer said, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I got you, I got you. But when he got out, what did he do? He forgot about Joseph. And Joseph remained in prison. For a couple of years, actually, he's in a setback, and nothing can go right. About the time he gets healed, that wound gets opened up all over again. But eventually, Pharaoh has a dream, and he's talking to his court officials, and he's like, man, I had this wild dream, and I can't figure out what it means. And then the light bulb goes off in the cupbearer's mind. He says, hey, when I was in prison, there was this guy down there named Joseph, who interpreted my dream, and Pharaoh says, go get him. So he snatches Joseph back up out of the pit. He tells him his dream. Joseph interprets it for him. And Pharaoh is so amazed. He says, is there anybody that holds the Spirit of God in all the land like this man? And he puts Joseph in a place of power and authority in his kingdom. And so what I want you to realize is that this is true in Joseph's life and it will be true in yours as well. His setback was actually a setup for something better, for something great, 
for God to still show him that he has a purpose for him, even in the midst of the setbacks that he faced. Because if Joseph had never been into that setback, if he had never been sent to that prison, if he had never had the opportunity to interpret those dreams, Pharaoh would have never known that he had the giftedness to do so. So can't you see, man, God can use the most difficult situations of your life. He can use the most painful wounds that you bear. He can take setbacks in your healing process and turn it around for a setup so that you can have an even greater story to tell when it's all over with. Your scars, they tell a story of pain, but they also tell a story of process, a process by which God has brought healing into your life. A story that testifies of His grace and His mercy and His faithfulness to you as one of His children, even though you've gone through immense pain and you bear some of the ugliest scars that this life could bring. Your scars tell a story of process process of healing are you letting that story be told